I was doing some research on vaccines recently, and some of the new vaccines are a new technology called mRNA vaccines. And essentially what they are, they're kind of instructions to the body on how to create a kind of a protein or a part of a protein that's present in the coronavirus so that when the coronavirus comes to try to infect someone, the body has already had an immune response in order to prevent it from being affected, infected. The traditional vaccine is one that in which someone is injected with a kind of a weakened virus or a half-dead virus that comes into the body, and the body sees that, and it triggers an immune response, and so that the body has antibodies, so that when the real virus comes, the body won't be infected, because it's already formed up a defense against the coronavirus. As I was thinking about that, and thinking about the line in today's gospel, and Mary laid him in a manger because there was no room for him at the inn. I begin to think about how the gospel itself, the good news that in Jesus, God has destroyed death, God has forgiven us of our sins and invites us to communion with him, the gospel itself is a good infection. It's something we want to be infected with. And when we're infected with the gospel, we have divine life coursing through our veins, and we become more powerful than death. And when we're infected with the gospel, this good infection, we are symptomatic with real faith, real joy, real confidence in the midst of all the trials of life. And yet, as we look around today, we realize that the gospel isn't as contagious as it used to be. And there are all sorts of reasons for that, but one of the reasons why I believe it's not as contagious as it used to be is because many people have been served a half-dead version of Christianity. A version in which, as as people encounter this half-dead version of Christianity, they form antibodies against it. And therefore, when they encounter the real thing, they're already inoculated against it. And they don't allow it to infect them and infect them. And as a result, people aren't giving their hearts over to Jesus and giving him room for him to be who he is in their life. And part of the reason why this is the case today is actually the fault of the church. In many ways, the church is given into the kind of a minimalist corruption of the gospel in which for the last several decades, people aren't hearing the full truth of the gospel. That is, the corruption is that the church sometimes is not offering to people what Jesus is offering. It's offering less to people than what Jesus is offering, and it's, and it's asking of people less than what Jesus is asking. And as a result, people are inoculated against the real thing. They say, why bother with that? And there are a couple ways in which that happens. A half-dead version of Christianity a kind of a vaccination against Christianity goes something like this. God is not very personal. He's very distant. You, really can't, you can't really expect an encounter with him. You can't really expect him to break into it, to your life and to know him personally. Christianity is just simply a, a nice story. It's kind of an ethic of, 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 of morals, right? It's, just, it's a system of beliefs that becomes kind of optional. God, you really can't know God. You really can't experience God. So just come and try to be a good person. 
And therefore, Christianity itself becomes optional. It's not about truth. It's not about goodness. It's not about God coming to save us. It's more of like a, you know what? You can take it or leave it. Half-dead Christianity says that Jesus, you cannot really know the love of God. You cannot really experience that love. It's very, very much out there. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, let's, it's a nice story. Let's just try to remember that. You see, that's not true. Another part of this half-dead version of the gospel is essentially a Christianity that is powerless to change you. Right? You don't really have a, a sense of God calling you to greatness God loves you where you are, so you don't really need to change. And even if you try to change, there's no real power there. There's no interior grace to resist sin. You don't really see God's power manifest in your own prayer. You don't see him performing signs and wonders. You don't have this mysterious presence of God that causes you to be in awe and wonder. It's just simply a God who is really powerless to do anything in your life. And as a result of a powerless Christianity... Christianity becomes irrelevant. Why would I spend my time following Jesus if he's not making any difference in my life? He's not making any difference in the lives of the Christians that I know. You see, what makes this worse is that we live in a culture that has formed all sorts of antibodies against the gospel. And there's all sorts of them, but but one of the worst is a a kind of a worldliness. Don't think about heaven. Don't think about eternal life. Put all of the eggs of your life into the basket of this world. It's all about getting ahead here. It's all about getting the right education, having the right experiences, having the, the, all the comforts and the pleasures that this life can offer. It's all about making sure that you secure yourself with a life that's happy here. And on the one hand, as Christians, we don't really have a problem with wanting to be successful here. That's not the, that's not the issue. The problem is when that becomes our focus, we lose fa- the, the sight of the fact that each of us is going to die. And that the primary thing that Jesus has co- come to overcome is the sin which causes us to reject him, which caused death in the world. And so the truth is, is that when we give into a worldliness even, we very much don't have room for God in our life. You see, in the little child in the manger is God giving us himself. In that little child of Jesus is hope. Is a hope that's greater than any despair that may come into your life. You see, in this little child Jesus, we have peace. A peace that's far greater than any anxiety, any worry that can come to you. A peace that's stronger than anything the world can throw at you. You see, in this little child, there is love. A love that is stronger than all of the hate and the division that we see and experience today. In this little child is mercy that is stronger than any guilt that you bear, any wrong, any mistake, any evil that you've done. And all of that is ours if we make room for him. And so as we think about the pandemic, we think about the vaccine, I want you to think these questions to yourselves. What antibodies have I formed against the gospel? What antibodies have I formed against faith and practicing my faith? And recognize them. Do you recognize them? 
It's one thing to think about it, but do you recognize them in yourself? And do you recognize them for what they are, which is little defense mechanisms against God's reign in your life? Because the fact is, is that the real thing is transformative. When you meet God and his incredible love for you, you will never be the same. He's coming. He's already present in your life. But if you do not have a door open, if there's no room there, you will never meet him. And you will effectively inoculate yourself from divine life. And you will reject the invitation to life. See, the truth is is that all of us have these different defense mechanisms in us. That's why Jesus had to come in the first place. When he came the first time, we killed him. Because our defense mechanisms are that strong. So he comes to us as a child in humility to show us that he's not meaning to do us any harm. One of the reasons why we don't give him space is because we believe that what he's going to ask of us is going to cause us to be miserable. And maybe if there are some people in this church who aren't practicing their faith, it's maybe one of the reasons why is because you believe that God is not really for you. He's, he's really against you. He really can't make your life any better. You see, the truth is, is that this pandemic has brought our world to its knees. My hope is that as we open our hearts to God, as we make room for him, as we allow the infection of the gospel to give us divine life, we will not be a people who will be simply on our knees in pain. We will raise up and declare to the world that we have a God who's conquered death. A God who's with us, he's not against us. A God who's able to take evil and turn it on its head and say, I love you and I want to be with you forever. Because that is a gospel that the world needs to hear. It cannot bear a half-dead Christianity. It needs to see that God can be known, that God reveals himself, and that no matter what we've done in our life, he loves us. You see, Jesus, this little baby, He died, but he rose again. And because of what he has done, we don't have to be afraid of a virus. We don't have to be afraid of economic collapse. We don't have to be afraid of societal unrest. We have confidence and hope that this life is not the end. He's raised us up to live with him forever. And brothers and sisters, if we open our hearts to that, that true infection we will be well positioned to declare that to a world that needs to hear it the most. God is love. He's come to us as a child. Do you have room for him? And do you recognize the ways in which you defend yourself against him? Because if you have room, he will not only change your life, it will lead you to be an agent and an apostle of hope to all the world around us who is suffering and is hopeless. Amen.